Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. Right now, I want to take a moment to welcome everybody who is joining us online. Thank you so much for participating in our service, and one day we hope that you'll Make the decision to drive out and join us in person because this is where the real magic happens. You heard it here first. But if you have your Bible, turn it to Romans, the 12th chapter. I want to use this verse to set up where we're going to go today, and then we'll just allow God to take over. The 930 service, we had such an amazing time in the Word. But this passage right here is so powerful when you really understand what he is saying. The Apostle Paul says in Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 2, he says, Do not, somebody say, do not, not. be conformed to this world. But, here's the option. Instead of being conformed to this world, be transformed. Somebody say transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Why is this so important? He goes on to say, so that by doing this, you can test or you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In other, way, in other words, the only way you're going to understand the things of God and the desire of God is to have this thing in between your ears completely transformed. Because there is a pattern that each of us have grown up into. And that would be the pattern of the world. And it is our nature. From the time we're born, we are groomed by this pattern. And this pattern determines a certain outcome in our life. And so Paul is saying the only way you're going to be successful in the kingdom of God is to shift the pattern and change the way you think. Because how many of you know the pattern you follow will determine the results you get? I want to say that for those of you who didn't catch it. The pattern you follow will determine the results you get. I remember when I was younger, my mom used to sew all the time. And she had all of these books of patterns. Any ladies know what I'm talking about? The books of patterns. And she would pick out a pattern of what she wanted to make. And she would get the fabric and she would get all the thread that she needed. And by following that pattern, she got a certain outcome. I know that she did uh, baby dedication gowns for my daughters. She picked out the pattern. She got the material. She started working. And when it was done, she was not shocked that there were not pajamas there. Why? Because the pattern she was following. What I want you to understand is there is a pattern of the world that we are all called up into from the moment that we were born, and God says, I've got a different pattern. I've got a different way of doing things, and it's going to go against your natural mind. Are you hearing what I'm saying? With your natural mind, you cannot understand the things of God, nor will you ever surrender to the things of God because it's completely different from the way you were formed and shaped through society and through growing up. For instance, the world system or the pattern of the world tells us if you want more, you've got to what? Take more. The kingdom of God says that's not how we operate. If you want more, you've got to learn how to release. You've got to learn how to live with open hands. The pattern of the world says if you want to advance, 
in society, then you've got to put other people down. You've got to take the moment and the opportunity to shove other people down and use them as the stepping stone into the thing that you desire. God says, in my kingdom, if you want to be great, you've got to learn how to serve. And by doing that, when you'll humble yourself, then I will exalt you. See, God has no problem with you being great. God has no problem with you accomplishing great things. He has designed you to do that, as a matter of fact. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, he placed inside of you the potential to do amazing things. But we do not accomplish that purpose by operating with the world system. He says, if you'll be humble, if you'll learn how to serve, then I will exalt you in due season. I will take you where you need to go. Are you following what I'm saying? It's a completely different way of thinking and moving and operating. And as children of God, we must move differently, act differently, speak differently, and think differently than the world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We've got to have a shift. Somebody say a shift. We have to have a shift from the pattern that we were brought up into, into this pattern that God has designed for us. If you want, hear what, hear what I'm saying, this is important. If you want to be successful in life or in your purpose, you have to shift the pattern. If you want to be successful within the kingdom of God and accomplish your purpose, you have to shift the pattern and you have to shift the way you think. So watch this. I want you to turn your Bible to Ephesians, the second chapter. I want to pull a few things out through this passage that shows us the pattern that we were a part of. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 1, says, and you were dead. Somebody say were. Now, if you are in Christ, you're no longer dead. You've been brought to new life. But before Christ, you were dead. In trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following, here's what we followed, the course of this world, the pattern of the world. Following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body. In other words, whatever I want is what I go after. Are you following that? That's how we used to operate. If I want it, I go after it. If I see it, I desire it, I go after it, and it doesn't matter the cost, just like the rest of mankind. In other words, he's saying here, there's a pattern that you've been born into, and unless you shift the pattern, you're going to get the same results, following your own desire. In other words, you become a God to yourself. Everything is about what you want, what you like, what you desire, and what you can get. And we were all born that way. Have you ever noticed you didn't have to teach your kids how to say mine? There was no training seminar once you had children to sit them down and say, now it's important you understand. This is yours. And you need to declare it by saying mine. I mean, my kids, my kids sound like the seagulls from... Finding Nemo, mine, 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 mine. And we never had to teach them that. What, what do we have to teach them? We have to teach them to not be what? Selfish. We have to try to teach them to be selfless. I remember when I was a kid, uh, this whole series has kind of developed around the whole thought of Thanksgiving and family. And 
I told you last week how my family would always come together for big meals. And they had the adult table, and then they had the kiddie table. But every once in a while, it would be announced to us that today, the kids get to grab a TV tray and sit in front of the television and eat their lunch. That was a big day. That's a good day for a fat kid. TV and lunch. And I would always find the most comfortable chair. And I remember going into the house and I declared, that one's mine. That's the chair I'm going to sit in. And I went and got my TV tray and got it all set up. Got it ready for the lunch viewing experience. Call it lunch flicks. And I go to go through the line. And my cousin beat me through the line with his food. And he decided that chair was his. And so he goes and sits down, and he's got his food, and I go and tell him, that's mine. And we start arguing back and forth on who that chair belongs to. And so I did what any reasonable person would do. I said, now, Nathan, that's my chair. And if you don't get out of it, I'm going to dump your food in the floor. He said, I'm not moving. So you know what I did? I dumped his food in the floor. See, that's a very selfish nature. And as we grow up, you'll see that we, we still sometimes operate within this nature of, I want what's mine. I'm going to get it no matter what the cost. And if I have to hurt somebody else, it doesn't matter because it belongs to me. It's mine. And there's a pattern that we all follow. And the Apostle Paul saying you got to shift away from that pattern because now you're no longer dead in your trespasses and sins. But Jesus has made you alive. He's pulled you out of that kingdom of darkness and into his marvelous light. And so now, instead of reflecting chaos, we should be reflecting the nature of God. And this is where a lot of us miss it within the church. We think that church, or some think that church is just us coming together, singing songs, and watching ministry happen. But that's not what the true church is called to be. The true church, our Sunday morning gathering, is to be the gathering of the saints to worship, to praise, and to be equipped for the work of of ministry, so that you can go into your world and you can be a light to your world, so that when people see you, they see Jesus. When people touch you, they touch Jesus. Are you following what I'm saying? See, that's, what, that's the pattern you've been called to walk in. The Bible says, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives inside of me. And so as I move, he moves with me. And I should be operating within his nature and what his desire is and not what my nature or what my desire says. Are you following what I'm saying? But we've missed this. And instead of carrying the nature of God into our world, we're carrying the old nature, the nature of wrath, the nature of disobedience, the nature of what I want. You can see it if you get on social media and watch people go back and forth. Am I right? So the Apostle Paul says, don't be conformed. Don't be conformed to that pattern, but be transformed. So what are we doing here today? We're coming and yielding ourselves to the Spirit of God saying, I want to be transformed. I want to look like you. I want to look so much like you that if somebody sees me and follows me, they'll end up meeting you. Think about that. The Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. 
In other words, I look so much like Jesus that if you'll just follow me, if you'll follow my example, you'll actually meet Jesus. Why? Because his spirit lives inside of me. I've actually made a, a connection. I've made a union to where I've cut off the old and I've stepped into the new. See, that's really what salvation is. Salvation, you don't become a better version of who you used to be. You become a completely new creation. And when you start walking in that new creation, that's when you start accomplishing things for the kingdom of God. That's when you walk into situations where there seems to be no hope, seems to be no light, and because you show up, hope shows up. Because you show up, joy shows up. Because you show up, strength shows up. Why? Because it's not you, it's Christ in you walking into the room. See, that's, that's you got to understand this. And we've so separated ourselves from the understanding of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. He died so that we could come back into union with him. In the garden, when he created mankind, he said, I'm creating you in my image and my likeness. Now go take dominion. So what's the job? Look like me, act like me, talk like me, and take dominion over the earth. Be an example. Spread light. Instead of doing that, we fell into the, we fell because of sin, and that nature that was ours was then removed. And so Jesus comes back, and what Jesus does is he reconnects us to the Father and restores that nature. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So that when we go into the world, we actually are Christ to our world. Doesn't mean that you're the Savior. Are you hearing I hope I'm not confusing anyone. That does not mean that you're the Savior, but you have to understand what you carry inside of you because you carry great power. You carry great authority. But if you keep on covering it up by the things of this world, no one will ever see Jesus inside of you. I thought about that this week. When, when I was a kid, I remember my, my family got on that juicing diet. And, you know, you take, you take the fruit and you put it in the machine and the juice comes out and I was thinking about our human nature and I was thinking when we're under pressure and when we're squeezed by life that's when you see who you really are what is it that you are revealing when you are squeezed that's a really good question because right now there the world as a whole is in a squeeze what are they seeing? Are they seeing the nature of the world come out of you, or are they seeing the love of Christ flow through you? The reason I'm taking time to, to talk this way and to teach this way is because I want us to be a church that looks different. I want us to be a place where people come and they find hope. I want us to be a place where when people come, they feel the presence of God. They feel the love of God through people just like you and me, and it starts with shifting the way you think. You can't think according to the pattern of the world. You have to be renewed. You have to be transformed so that you can begin to think the way Christ thinks. Watch this. Philippians, the second chapter. Here's kind of a framework for how we should operate. The Bible says, do nothing. Somebody say, do nothing. From selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, 
but also to the interest of others. In other words, there are a lot of people around you that need your attention. And as a follower of Christ, those people should captivate our hearts and our thoughts and our minds and our prayers to where when we see a need, we step out and fill it. When we sense a hurt, we step in and bring healing to it. The church has been really good about singing about what we should do and talking about what we should do, but the church as a whole has not been very good about doing it. We pray God brings this you know, healing to this situation, and God's saying, I've already answered your prayer in the form of you. I knew there would be a time that there would be a need, and so I created a Melissa. But it goes against our comfort zone. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm not comfortable reaching out to people, but we got to get beyond that because you are the light of the world. There is no plan B. Are you getting that? There is no plan B, Justin. You are the light of the world. Well, I don't feel like a light. You are the light. Well, I don't think like a light. Well, you are a light. And you need to start, we all need to start drawing closer to Jesus because the closer we get to Jesus, the more we start looking like him. Hear what I'm saying? There, it is impossible to look like Jesus, think like Jesus, move like Jesus, act like Jesus, talk like Jesus, unless you are spending quality personal time with Jesus. Some of you are like, I'm blowing your mind. You mean I got to actually talk to him? <laughs> yeah. So it says, do nothing out of selfish conceit or selfish ambition. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his self-interest, not all about you, but also to the interests of others. Then he says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. I want you to know you actually can have the mind of Christ. And some of you think, well, his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. That is true. But he has deposited his Holy Spirit inside of you, which seeks out and searches out the deep things of God. So you can actually have his mind on the matter. You don't have to go through this life aimlessly. You can actually get alone with God and say, God, what is your heart? I thought about that. You know, we just moved through this, this voting season. And so many times we go out and we vote based upon, you know, this or that or this kind of belief or that kind of belief or maybe you were raised this way, you know, and so we just automatically fall into that category. And I thought to myself, how many times do I stop and pause and say, God, who would you have me to vote for? Think about business decisions that you make. God, what would you have me to do? So many times we move just because we see an open door. But not every open door is a blessing. Hello? See, sometimes we think because it's easy and the door just opened that it must be of God, not realizing that it could be a trick of the enemy trying to derail your life. I've seen people within church, they grow up, they're in church, they're raising their families in church, and then they get a job opportunity somewhere. They come, they get, you know, pastoral counseling and advice on it because they don't want to take time to pray about it for themselves. The pastor says, I don't really feel like it's a good idea. And they go, well, it's a lot more money. So they go. You know what happens? They stop serving church, uh, God. They stop going to church. The family starts falling apart. Yeah, it was a financial increase, but at what cost? So we have to consider 
The door, before we step through the door, God is this door being opened by you. What should I do? Should I pause? Should I step through? Should I move? Should I wait? Should I be more patient? Hello? All these things are important. You can actually have the mind of Christ. And he says, let this mind be in, uh, in yourselves among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Think about that. God leaves the comfort of heaven, and he steps into human history, and he could have done it however he wanted to. He could have come into a palace with great wealth, with great prominence, the greatest clothes, the greatest horse, the greatest chariot. He could have had Gucci slippers on. I mean, he could have had anything, but he doesn't. What does he do? He says, I'm going to come as a servant. Why? Have you ever thought to ask yourself? There's so many things through Scripture that, like, that we just read over and we just go with it. Okay, Jesus was a servant. Have we ever stopped to think, why did he do that? The answer is he's trying to show us the form that we should come in. He's trying to show us the nature that we should have. Because when he came, he reveals the Father. He says, when you see me, you've seen the Father. If you hear me, you've heard the Father. You want to see what the Father's all about? Just look at me. And he becomes an example of what every child should look like. Not trying to get, 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 get. Not trying to gain, 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 gain. Listen, nothing wrong with success. I'm, I'm for it, man. Be as successful as you can. But he's saying don't, don't, don't get all that stuff and miss the fact that you too are here to serve. Jesus was, is, and always will be the greatest. But his greatness came through the form of service. And he continually taught his disciples. He said, if you want to be great, learn to serve. Don't try to get yourself up here. Humble yourself. That's the pathway to greatness. That's the pathway to success. See how that kind of rubs our, our, our human nature a little bit wrong? Because our human nature is all, look at me. <laughs> look at me. Look at what I can do. Look at what I can accomplish. You know, when it comes to ministry, we don't want to do the things that we're called to do because nobody will see it. We want to do this. We want to stand on the stage with the microphone because that's ministry. We want to play the drums because that's ministry. You, you want me to tell you how you can know if God's called you to sit here and play drums on a Sunday? You're going to be really good at the drums. So people are always like, well, what's my purpose? Where do I fit? What are you passionate about? And what are you good at? When those two things come together, you're really close to finding your purpose. If you can't sing, you're probably not called to lead worship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> if you can't stand children, you're probably not a Christian. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've had people tell me that. Kids, this ain't my thing. And I understand what they're saying, but I'm like, well, you know, they were Jesus's thing. So, but no, but you hear what I'm saying? You hear what I'm saying? Like, if you, if you get, like, frustrated really easily, you know, 
with certain, like kids may not be the area that you're called to. So where, where, where's your passion intersect your talents? And that's the place. That's, that, that's your sweet spot that you come into. And that's where you're going to be the most effective. Right? So watch this. I want to show you this and then we'll start wrapping down, winding down. Matthew, the 20th chapter, verse 20. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he's telling them about the moment he's going to suffer, the moment he's going to die. And in the midst of this very serious, somber conversation, this woman comes up to him. In verse 20, she's the mother of the sons of Zebedee, which is James and John. And she came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? And she said to him, say to these two sons of mine that they can sit, one at your right hand and one on your left, in your kingdom. So she's requesting for a position of honor. Jesus answered, you don't know what you're asking for. So you don't really understand what you're asking for. You're asking for a position of honor, but that honor is going to come through a process. See, a lot of us, we want a great position, but we don't want to go through the process. I, I could, if we had time, I could go through my personal story and everything that I've gone through within ministry and the areas that I've served and the things that I've done. See, we, we just see this and we go, well, that's what I want not realizing there's a process to go through. Jesus is saying you're asking for something that you don't understand the process of. Then he says to them, he says, are you able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? In other words, are you willing to go through the process? And they said, we are able. And then he said to him, okay, then guess what? You're going to drink for that cup. But it said at my right hand and my left, it's not mine to grant, but it is for those whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, when the other disciples hear it, they get angry. What about me? Where am I going to sit? What kind of position am I going to have? I mean, this is what's happening amongst the disciples. Me, 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 me. And Jesus is saying, you've missed the entire point. Can I just say something that may rub a few of you wrong? The moment that you try to make church all about you, you've missed it. Well, I want to go somewhere where they got the most comfortable seat. I want to go somewhere where they sing this kind of song. I want to go where they do this or where they do that or where they have this program. And if they don't have that program, then I'm leaving. You've missed the point. The church although it is very beneficial to every single person, it is not about you. Once you come into the church and into the body, you exist for the world and the purpose of God in the world. I said it in the first service, but God is this concerned about your comfort. You want to know why there's no great powerful move of God happening globally right now? Is because we've made it, we've made this thing such a self-centered thing. It's about me and God and what I can get out of it. Never considering, God, where have you placed me? 
And what have you called me to do? And it may not look great. It may not look fancy. It may look like holding a broom or a mop. Are you willing to drink of that cup? No. I want to be the head greeter. I want to do what John does. Well, we need somebody to scrub toilets. Yeah, I understand that, and I would really like the toilets to be clean, but uh, are you following what I'm saying? We made it about me. Jesus says, are you willing to drink of my cup? What does he say? Are you willing to go through the suffering? Are you willing to go through the pain? Are you willing to go through people looking down on you? Are you willing to have people reject you and betray you? And they're all fighting. What about me? What about me? Where am I going to sit? And I want you to notice Jesus never rebukes them for wanting to be great. Jesus never rebukes them for wanting to be successful. But he says, you're going about it the wrong way. Watch what he says to them. He calls them. He says, you know the rulers of the Gentiles. They lord it over them. That's their pattern. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But he says, it shall not be among you. But whoever would be great, he shows them. This is a key. He shows them, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man, talking of himself, came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. He says, you want to be successful? Learn to serve. Learn to count others more significant than yourself. Why am I talking this way today? Because we're going to be a people that serve. And we're going to serve the way Jesus served, unconditionally. Not based upon what I can get out of it. Hear what I'm saying? So many times we want to serve when we see a reward on the other end of it. In other words, I'll help John because I know John will buy me lunch. That's selfish service. True service is I'm doing this as unto the Lord. So I'm helping John whether he can help me back or not because when I see John, I see Jesus. And when I help John, I'm helping Jesus. Are you hearing me? Jesus says, what you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. That'll change the way you live. When you start looking around and seeing everybody sitting in this room, you start realizing whatever you do to them, you're doing to Jesus. Whatever you say about them, you're saying about Jesus. However you treat them is how you're treating Jesus. Whatever you post about them on social media is what you're posting about Jesus. So we don't want to hear this stuff, do we? I'll give you a cute message next week, maybe. But I'm being, I'm being very raw with you because I'm trying to develop a people who actually look like Jesus and carry his nature into the world because that's why we're here and that's why we exist. He's not going to look at us one day and say, well, you built this building and you had this program and you had that. He's going to look at us and say, what did you accomplish for my kingdom? How did you treat my people? How did you treat what I valued? Were you here to serve or to be served? And how did you serve? Was it selfish or was it unconditional? Think about Jesus. The night before he's betrayed, he goes to eat dinner with his disciples. And it was their custom to wash the feet of the disciples before they ate. 
When they get into the room, the servant who's supposed to wash the feet, which would be the lowest of the low, he's not there. And so all the disciples come in. What do they do? They find a place at the table. Jesus, God in flesh, the one who created everything, the one that spoke everything into existence, the king, comes into the room. And you'd think he'd prop, plop down at the table and say, somebody, come wash my feet. But what does he do? Starts taking his clothes off. He gets the towel. He starts washing the feet of his disciples. He washes Peter's feet, who's going to deny him three times. Then he turns and he washes the feet of Judas, who is going to betray him. Why? Because he serves unconditionally, because that's who he is. He's a servant. So when you squeeze him, you get service. When you squeeze him, you get love. When you squeeze him, you get mercy. When you squeeze him, you get forgiveness because that's who he is. It's a part of his nature. And what I'm trying to say is that should be a part of your nature too. Serve unconditionally whether people deserve it or not, whether they can pay you back or not. Serve them as if you're serving the Lord. And that's when you'll start walking into great blessing. And if that person that you're serving and loving is in error, God will deal with them. It's important for you to know, God will take care of them. But you've got to make sure that you have placed yourself in a posture to carry the nature of God, to be an example of who he is here on this earth, because that's why you were made. That's who we're going to be as a church. We're going to be a people that love great, and serve great. And because of that, we're going to be a people that transform our world. I want to pray for everyone who's here today and for those of you who are watching online. I want you to know no matter what you're going through right now, you are valuable to God. You're loved by God. And there's a great purpose inside of you. And right now, if you do not know Jesus and you're still living within that realm of darkness, it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus loves you where you are and he can transform you, he can change you, and he can pull you into that kingdom of light where you can walk and carry his nature and his essence. So Father, I'm asking that you would touch every single person that's listening or watching right now. I'm asking that you would move in their life Father, for those that don't know you, I'm asking that you would captivate their heart. And right now, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and receive him into your heart and surrender your life to him and everything will begin to shift and everything will begin to change and you're pulled out of that kingdom of darkness, out of that position of wrath and you walk as a child of light. So Lord, I thank you for touching them. I thank you for moving in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.